0: Listen, yesterday, uh, U.S. President Donald Trump gave this long campaign-style speech in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and, you know, he touched on the things that he loves to talk about and how, you know, the media, fake or real, spreads lies, and, you know, they're sick people, he said. Uh, But he also touched on something that I think definitely got our attention here uh, north of the border, and that is NAFTA. Here's what he had to say about NAFTA last night.
1: Personally... I don't think we can make a deal because we have been so badly taken advantage of. They have made such great deals, both of the countries, but in particular Mexico, that I don't think we can make a deal. So I think we'll end up probably terminating NAFTA at some point. Okay, probably.
0: All right. That was last night. The president in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. We're joined now by Ian Lee, who's Ph.D., associate professor at Carleton University Sprott School of Business and friend to the show. Ian, nice to have you on again. My pleasure. Ian, is this just that loud, bossy businessman side of uh, Trump coming out to threaten to walk away as a negotiating tactic?
1: I think it's both. Uh, and I mean by that that I think he's um, – first off, he was a, uh, giving a, basically a partisan rally in Phoenix to his base. Mm-hmm. So he was throwing out some red meat to the base. Both parties have hardcore supporters, Dems and Republicans, and they both have their own favorite red meat lines. And so I think that's a red meat line to his base. Secondly, he thinks clearly because he wrote a book called The Art of the Deal that he's Well, a real- did he
0: really write it because no. apparently the guy that wrote right. the book says that he he right before the election he yeah. he was like, "Oh my gosh, I have to come clean here. I wrote this and I yeah, created yeah. Trump."
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to defend Trump. Believe me, I'm very critical of him. But I mean, that's typical of most politicians. They don't write their own books; they write books in their name, but they they have a ghostwriter. But my point that I was getting at is, he sees himself as a negotiator, wheeler dealer, Mm -hmm. and I think that he's also. So he has two. There's two separate things here. He's appealing to the base, and secondly, I think he's trying to inject himself, if you will, virtually speaking, into the negotiation room Mm -hmm. because they all read the papers. They're not in lockup, and so he's sending signals to both sides all right yeah better come to a deal or else i
0: want to i want to ask you this let me just play a little bit of a clip for you and i want to know is this the red meat you're talking about
1: they have made such great deals both of the countries but in particular mexico that i don't think we can make a deal
0: because he was in arizona which borders with mexico
1: Uh, that's a, ex- a perfect example um, uh, of that. What I call that red meat. I mean, I think they're in, in Arizona, and I know I've been to Arizona quite a few times because my only sister lives in Arizona, and uh, and was I she that-
0: born in Babylonia though?
1: No, no, no. Born in Canada. <laughs> and, uh, and I've been there, and as you know, I mean, immigration and, uh, and the whole relationship with Mexico is extremely problematic in, in, um, in Arizona because it's a border state. It borders on Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I'm not trying to defend what he's saying at all at all. I'm just trying to provide context for everybody. Sure. And so there's a large anti-immigration uh, group in, in Arizona. There's lots of people there that want to build a great big wall. And then, And then there's the separately... There's the people, and there's a lot. I want to get into this a little bit with you. There's a significant number of Americans, contrary to what many Canadians think. I think a lot of Canadians think it's just Donald Trump, and if Trump goes away, everybody else down there really loves us. Actually, there's a significant number of Americans across the U.S. That uh, think that Canada is cheating on trade. They think Mexico is cheating. They think Germany is cheating, and they think China is cheating. Hmm. And so my point is, anyone who thinks in Canada that this is just Donald Trump and you know we've got all kinds of friends everywhere else doesn't realize that in the in the Congress, the Democratic Party voted against NAFTA twenty odd years ago. They voted against every free trade agreement. The, the Dems have never been a pro-free trade party. And now what's getting worse is that the Republicans are becoming, which were historically a pro-free trade car party, are now increasingly, not all of them, but a good number of them, are also becoming anti-free trade or anti-NAFTA.
0: Okay, Ian, let me ask you this. Did we get a great deal? Did Canada get a great deal out of the NAFTA agreement?
1: All three, did, all three countries did. Um, and I teach this in my class every year. I said... People trade, companies trade, countries trade because it is in their self-interest. Nobody does it out of charity or philanthropy. You don't go and say, I'm going to trade cars with Japan because I feel sorry for the Japanese you or the Japanese feel sorry for the Canadians. Trade occurs because it's in the mutual self-interest of both parties. And there's no difference between trading between countries. I trade every day of the week. I walk into Loblaws, and I'm not being flippant or funny. Mm -hmm. I trade my salary from specializing as a professor, and I buy groceries. And I trade with Honda of Canada because I bought a Honda. I go into the dealer, and I trade my money, and I, I buy a car from them. We are all trading. It's just called buying and selling. When it occurs across a border, we then call it trading. It's the same transaction. It's people buying and selling stuff. Or services. Answer your question. All three countries profited enormously. Two years ago, the U.S. government and Stats Canada for the Canadians and the U.S. Mexican uh, the uh, Mexican Statistical Administration did a massive study, NAFTA at 20, and they concluded they developed a very complex set of uh, methodology, very sophisticated, very respected, and they determined that after the job losses on all in all three countries caused by NAFTA. NAFTA accounted for a net gain over 20 years of 40 million jobs net. Hmm. The U.S. got the lion's share of the jobs because it's the biggest country. It's over 300 million people. Mexico got the second largest number of jobs because guess what? They're over 100 million people. But all three countries benefited from NAFTA. And some of your listeners say, what are you talking about? I know people that lost their job. I have never said The trade doesn't cause job losses. Of course it does, because the companies that are strong specialize and get better, and they go and beat up the weaker companies that are not so strong in other countries. happens in their own country, too. Companies go bankrupt all the time. But what happens, the question is not are there some job losses. The question is on balance, when you add up all the pluses and all the minuses, all the job Mm -hmm. gains and the job losses, are we ahead or are we behind? All three countries profited enormously from NAFTA.
0: Okay, so if he is, Trump is sending out a message to, you know, the powers that be that are going to negotiate NAFTA through the press and through his uh, campaign-style rally that he he held yesterday, what does Freeland have to do to save NAFTA?
1: Uh, First off, uh, I hope she, and, and so far they have been, Uh, She and Mr. Trudeau, Prime Minister Trudeau, have been following the very sage advice of former Prime Minister Mulroney. Keep your powder dry. Don't negotiate in public. Don't engage in name-calling. That's the first thing. Don't alienate the people you're negotiating with. I did not say we're supposed to suck up to them. I've never said that. But we should not be going out and starting to you know, do the thing that Trump's doing, by the way. And I think he's a terrible negotiator, calling everybody names, alienating his own people and his own party, and so forth. Bad, bad, bad way to go. But what they're doing so far is stay calm and cool. But, but, but now to answer your question, behind closed doors, in the prime minister's office or wherever they have their, uh, you know, their committee that's dealing with this, I hope that they're having some very, very tough uh, conversations amongst themselves and saying, what do we really, really, really want from the U.S.? We know what we want. We want access to the biggest market on the planet Earth. And we want them to get rid of Buy American, and we want to keep the dispute uh, investor dispute panel. Those are the big, big, that's the holy grail.
0: But that is all, tr- you know, Trump's all about Buy American uh, and that, Make and America know, Great Again. I know
1: that, but I haven't finished my my sentence. <laughs> uh, the question is, of course we want that. That's so obvious. Right. That's not the issue. The issue is, what are we willing to give up i have not heard any serious commentator or politician in this country say oh by the way canadians you better get ready because if you think we're going to get all those things from the americans without giving them anything in return you are living in a dream world uh, we should be having conversations are we going to give up supply management are we going to give up the protection for the telecom industry and that keeps verizon out are we going to give up protection for canadian banks Are we going to give up protection of Canadian airlines? And if we say, oh, no, 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 we can't give any of those up, well, then maybe we're not going to have a deal.
0: Okay, Ian, I want to ask you, because I'm kind of running the clock here, but uh, very quickly and finally, what should we be willing to give up, in your
1: view? uh, My answer has always been very, very clear, based on very good logic, I think. We should give up any industry, we should stop protecting any industry that has been exploiting Canadians with their protected status. An industry demands protection from what? foreign competition. Why? So they can increase their prices. If we gave up protecting the cell phone industry, what would happen? We have the highest cell phone fees in the world. If Verizon came in, you would see a reduction in the cell phone prices because of more competition. If we gave up supply management, the dairy prices would come down because they're twice as high as they would be if we had market forces. So we should give up those industries that are protected because it's in our self-interest. They're not protecting all Canadians. They're protecting a small number of people in that protected industry. They're like 12,000 dairy farmers. So we should be willing to give up. We should be giving it up with a big smile on our face.
0: Well, Ian, I'm sure that you've got the dairy farmers angry right now that are listening to the show. Hopefully they'll stick around for the rest of the show with us. (laughs) But I think that everybody that owns a cell phone is in pretty uh, uh, agreement with you and, and nodding their heads saying, yeah, good idea. I'm on board with that. Ian, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: My pleasure. Thanks very much.
0: Thanks for being here.